Hey guys, it's Marsha Hoffines, and you are listening to the Storytellers Podcast, where we dig in, go deep, find ourselves, maybe cry, maybe laugh. We surrender, but we go home, and we go home big. We feel inspired. It's the story behind the cellophane. It's the story inside the truth. It's a story that most people don't want to tell, but we're here to share. Let's get started. Well, hey, welcome back, everybody. So funny little thing um, I just wanted to mention. And if you're listening to these out of order, it doesn't really matter. But I'm just going to, in order, tell you this, that we were supposed to be finishing up our interview series, our conversation series with a beautiful conversation with a dear friend, Casey Crow Taylor, and we lost the podcast. But here's the thing that's interesting about it. When I let her know that we had lost the podcast, we couldn't find the files anymore. She was like, you know what? It's actually perfect because I think I've had like the soul's realization of some things that I didn't realize before. So let's do it again. So we're going to do it again and we're going to re-release that. uh, Well, release it actually um, sometime in July or August to you. But today this was scheduled um, and this is planned. Um, Today's my dad's birthday. And interesting dynamics. It was a year ago, right around this time, that I relaunched my podcast uh, on my own with no one else. And that was extremely liberating and freeing and hard, actually. And I, and I launched it on my mom's anniversary of her passing. And she passed away in May of 2004. And last year was 15 years. Little did I know, I mean, none of us actually know what the next several months we're going to have in store for you, right? So it was an interesting dynamic because the 28th is also my husband's birthday. And May is now full of a lot of anniversaries and heavy grief for me. But I find myself sitting here a year later, talking to you on my father's birthday um, after having lost him in September and I lost my father on September 12th of 2019 and we buried him on September 17th of 2019, which is my birthday. So I'm just connecting some dots for you guys. So the journey that I've had, and you've maybe have heard me, I don't really know if I've talked about it a lot on the podcast actually about my father passing. And I'm going to tell you some things that are interesting. I don't, I didn't have the best relationship with my parents. Just, I didn't. They were showing up and doing the best that they could guys. Right. And when you're in it, you don't understand that until you have, like, you can look in the rear view mirror and be like, Oh, okay. I see. I understand their pain. I understand their trauma and I can understand what I didn't understand before as a child, as a young adult, as a young mother, as all the things. Um, And I could get into really telling you the details of the story that I have with my dad, which is going to look very different than the story that my brothers and my sister had with my father and my mother had with my father and his siblings. Like, and so in fairness, I'm not, I'm not really going to tell you too much about that. I'm going to tell you about what I loved about my dad. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about the days leading up to his passing. Because 
to me, that's where I grew. To me, just like with my mom, that's where I, I actually started to understand my dad. <laughs> and I started to understand all the messages that he had been sending to us all along that finally made sense in those final days of laying him to rest. And, you know, if I, if I were to tell you one thing about Rick Gretka, it's that he never allowed himself to really fully step into his power of who he really could have and should have been. And to me, that's the tragedy behind the life. To me, that's the tragedy. To me, that's when I think about my dad and who he should have been. And then I look at my life and I'm, I, I say, I will not do that. And I do find myself actually every once in a while stepping into that place of I can't let myself get too big. I can't let myself show up that way because it disturbs people. Oh, wow, that's a deep one, right? But I don't think that's why he held himself back. He held himself back for a myriad of different reasons. But the story of my father's passing uh, actually started in June of, well, it started before that, but really June of 2018, a week before my oldest daughter graduated from high school. I got the phone call from my dad's wife, Denise, to tell me that my dad had had a stroke. Now I thought that was it. Like I was thinking this was, this was it. This was going to be the passing of my father. Um, I quickly rearranged life, got myself on a very expensive flight down to Orlando, Florida. I joke about that because it was just ironic timing of, you know, your daughter graduating from high school, getting ready to go off to college and then boom, you've got to fly very last minute. And I went down and I spent the next, oh gosh, how long was I there for? Five days in Orlando, Florida area with my dad and three of my brothers. And my dad remarkably made it through this stroke that um, the doctors were like, he shouldn't have survived this thing. And he shouldn't have walked out of the, he shouldn't have walked out of the, hospital. Now, he also resisted a lot of things, right? He resisted the treatments, a lot of them. He resisted getting surgery that could have actually prevented his death. He resisted going to occupational therapy, but he walked out of there. He walked out of there on a walker. And the next couple of days I spent home with him at his house. And, you know, his biggest concern was that he couldn't remember things and do things as quickly as he had done before. Now we were all sitting there going, dude, man, you just, you're doing amazing. Right. And, but here's the truth. It doesn't matter. No one understood what he felt inside. But I think at that point, my dad understood that he was dying. He understood that this was right. This was going to be his last dance. And the doctors all warned us of this. There, there were notes written that he had about 10 months left. And that was the last time I saw my father was when he was recovering from his stroke. And he and I didn't spend much time talking much after that. Now, 
my dad used to call and leave me these crazy long, really twisted, weird voicemails. And a lot of times my conversations with my father were not the most productive. They weren't usually based in, you know, exploring how we're doing and having nice conversations. It was a lot of him wanting to tell me what was happening with everybody else or conspiracy theories. He loved conspiracy theories. And in fact, I, I joke often that he's missing his heyday right now, <laughs> living through this pandemic. He would be, oh my God, it would probably be driving me crazy, but I kind of miss it. To be honest with you, I miss it. I wish, I wish he could call me right now and tell me his crazy ideas about what's going on in the world. You know, it's interesting because every once in a while I look up to the sky and I'm like, give us some answers, man. Are we doing this right? <laughs> you know, I just don't know. Oof, it just comes over you, right? Grief is heavy and hard. So, yeah, so my dad, he'd be all into this right now. So this, you know, June 2018. And so I went home and, you know, celebrated my daughter and that all looked very differently. My brother's... Um, we're supposed to all come. My dad was going to come for her to celebrate her. So it was a big moment, right? His first grandchild was going to graduate from high school. My brothers were going to come. We were going to have cornhole tournaments. It was going to be hysterical and fun. And none of that happened. We had a great time and it looked a little different. You know, he decided he was going to move back home. And I had always said to some of my brothers, not all of them, but I, I mentioned this a couple of times. I was like, the moment dad moves back up to Syracuse, he's going home to die. Because he didn't like living there. Well, he didn't like living anywhere. Let's just be honest. It was either too hot, it was too cold, the people, the whatever, right? There was always something. So December, January, I'm going to say just January of 2019, he actually he moved himself on from... Florida, he and my brother Mark made the trek with their animals up to upstate New York, where he reunited with his wife, and his wife had moved back up there to help take care of her mother, who's elderly and very sick, and so they were not together for a while, and they made their way back up there, and as I said, at that point in time, he and I didn't really talk much. I learned about my dad's antics, actually, through my brothers who were living up there, I say antics because it was always an antic with him. He would call every once in a while, but not really say too much. And I would call him back often and leave him messages, but we just never, we just didn't connect. And the interesting thing that I want to point out is the interesting thing about my mom when she was passing to the last couple of months, her and I didn't talk much. And I don't know what this is. I, I, I'm trying not to think too much about it, but I know that that it means something, <laughs> And one day, maybe I'll learn about that, why I didn't have those conversations. I didn't have a lot of strong connection with my parents before they passed. So, you know, as time goes on and my dad would call and I'd call him back and occasionally I'd hear from my brothers about stuff and they would send me pictures and he got a new dog, a new little dog to replace his other dog who was his best friend and he had his cat, Gracie, and um, he was tooling around in upstate New York, and I don't really think doing much, right? He was he was dying. I mean, honest to God, he was dying. He was on heart medication. He was, should have had heart surgery back in 2016. He was just not well, right? 
But here's the deal, that 10-month time frame came and passed. And in, in our minds, in my mind, my dad always made it through. And he was just going to live forever. I mean, he was not going to stop. He was just going to be around forever. And I knew that really on a logical level that wasn't true, but that's what my heart wanted was he was just going to last forever. In some weird way, that's what my heart wanted. <laughs> I mean, don't we all? We don't want anybody to go. So I'm going to fast forward a bit um, to August of 2019 and things started getting really weird. Like he started calling me and telling me these crazy stories about things that were going on and just things weren't making sense. Right. And I could sense that something was off and he and I actually had a fight. I mean, I fought with him. I was like, dad, what you're saying to me is crazy. Like this makes zero sense. Like, in all honesty, he was, it was like he was losing his mind. It, the stuff he was saying just didn't sound true. It just didn't, like parts of it were true. I always would say with my dad, there was a through line, right? Like around the story inside of it somewhere was the truth. And in fact, something to talk about and relate to all of you guys is, is when I started studying yoga, we started studying the yamas and the yamas and we started looking at truthfulness. I really, I'll never forget. I was in my teacher training program with Dolly and we were going around the circle and we were talking about truthfulness. And I broke down and I started crying. Cause I was like, where's this coming from? And I realized it's because my whole life, like really there was a level of mystery and not, not that people were outright lying, but my dad was a great storyteller, like embellished stories, if that makes sense. And you always had to figure out what was real and what wasn't. And so honesty was, is important to me. And yeah, so I'll carry on. So August, I started getting these weird messages, weird phone calls, and I let my husband listen to them. It was just strange. And he's like, he doesn't sound good. And I'm like, yeah, no, he doesn't sound good. And I would ask my brothers and they're like, yeah, he seems okay. Like I think on the physical level, like he seemed okay. But when you just listened, something seemed off. And it was Labor Day weekend, and there were hurricanes in Florida. Tornadoes, maybe? There were storms. Now, Labor Day weekend marked an interesting moment in time for my husband and I. He learned his, his father, his biological father, passed away. And my husband hadn't seen his father in years. I mean, years. No real connection to him. But it, it hurt him. He got really sad. We were sitting at the beach, actually. Um, having a glass of wine together at our favorite little spot. And we learned about this and we talked. And during that, we got this phone call from my dad. And I was like, oh, here's my dad. How annoying, right? That's what I was thinking. But it was this message about making sure that we were all okay. Because he detailed out the storm passing through Florida. And I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't even live in Florida. Like, what is he talking about? Like I'm in Virginia state, I have nothing to do with Florida. The next thing I know, he's like texting me about is Mez okay? Like these weird things. And then text me about my brothers. And this is when the moment he and I got into this huge fight. Because just the things he was saying just weren't making sense. And I'm like, dad, I love you, man, but come on. Like what you're saying right now just doesn't make sense. Call me if you want to talk. And 
The next day, he called and left another message asking me to send him some deep blue rub. Now, let me tell you about deep blue rub. He was convinced this was what was keeping him alive. He would tell me this all the time, right? Send me more deep blue. He loved the warmth on his back and on his chest. And you understand this, like someone with a heart condition, you're having a hard time breathing, you're going to sleep. He loved it. Well, I kind of put it off. But truth be told, I didn't do it on purpose. We got home. We got home from our trip and then had this like weird issue with our dogs where they got ticks all over their legs, little baby ticks. Oh my God. It was an, it was gross and had to deal with that. And then my husband left for a business trip and I broke my toe. Yeah. Just like that. Like this is like the series of events. My dad calls, his dad dies. We have ticks. He leaves. I break my toe. I dropped a weight on my big toe. I don't recommend this to anybody. And I was supposed to be leaving for doTERRA convention. And I almost wasn't going to go to this. Now, there's a lot of other details that I'm going to leave out of this part of the story because it was like divine intervention. Like somebody was taking care of me. Um, I ended up staying with friends who I wasn't supposed to be staying with. They know how to manage a wheelchair. I rented a wheelchair for convention so I could keep, so I could still go. I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to go. And honestly, I'll be, I'll be totally honest with you. Like having that broken toe and traveling was like the best because you get like catered to, like people take care of you. You get through lines faster. It's actually, it's not bad. It's not a bad way to go. So my gosh, this was I travel on a Monday, we go to convention Tuesday, Wednesday, it's Thursday, Thursday morning. Well, no, let me talk to you about Wednesday. So Wednesday, I was miserable. I was freezing all day, just head to toe freezing. And I actually left early. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me every I was in a bad mood, my body hurt. Uh, I was bone cold. Now it was cold. It was cold in Salt Lake City ish, but it wasn't freezing. Like no one else was cold the way I was cold. So I went back to the, I left early. I went back to the Airbnb. I bundled myself up. And I mean, I'm telling you, I was in bed with socks on, sweatshirt, everything. I put a little hat on. I was cold in my bones. Now back in Syracuse, New York on that Wednesday, my dad was suffering heart attacks. And basically the doctor was like, you, you need to check yourself in. And he's like, nope, I won't do it. So my dad's big thing was Always. He didn't want to die around anybody. He didn't want any of us to be around him when he died. He didn't want to be a burden. He didn't want to be in a hospital. He hated hospitals. My mom was a nurse. They both hated hospitals. He didn't want to die there. So this was happening. And I have always been very energetically connected to my father. I'm a deep feeler. I feel pain. In fact, after my dad's stroke, I had a lot of left side body pain for the next year, like intense pain in my body that just wouldn't go away. So I remember that Wednesday night, I, I was, I spent some time on the phone with my friend Jamie and we were like doing a serial, serial killer quizzes. Like, I don't know. We were just, we were joking around about things and took my mind off of stuff for sure, which was nice. And I went to bed early. All the other gals were out. They had a party to go to. It was like, I just cocooned. I just cocooned in. 
And I was feeling really just, I couldn't put my finger on it. Something was wrong. I didn't know what it was. My dad was the last thing on my mind, to be honest with you. Now I did at one point go, fuck, I got to send him that deep blue. (laughs) So the next morning I woke up feeling a little bit better. It's Thursday, 630, the time zone that I was in. And the gals that I traveled with, Jody and Olivia, Jody's mom, Peggy, came with us. And I remember going and getting my coffee and sitting down while everyone's getting ready. And I just was like listening to them all talk. And up comes Peggy. She comes walking upstairs. And overwhelming sadness came over me. And I started crying. And I was like, I miss my mom. And it was just this moment. And she came over and hugged me. And it was like, it was so strange. Like, I don't even know where it came from. And, you know, I likened it to, you know, having a broken toe, feeling sorry for myself and all these things. But I really believe like I was being prepared for the phone call that was coming my way at 8.35 in the morning. My phone rings and it's my dad's wife calling me and I'm like, fuck, did he have another stroke? Did he have a heart attack? Is he in the hospital? And I pick up the phone and it was the EMT because she couldn't, Denise couldn't even call me. And she told me that my dad died. And I said, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) And she told me again. And I had a call back. I remember Jody happened to be standing there with me. I looked up at her and I said, "My, my dad died. Like I was in shock. I didn't understand what was going on, but I felt my entire body go numb. I couldn't move my arms. I couldn't lift my head up. I couldn't breathe. The next several hours of my life were surreal. I was sitting in this massive uh, convention center in Salt Lake City, Utah. I can't remember what it's called. And celebrations going on all around us. And the, the company, I mean, they took such good care of us. They put us up in a suite where we were just kind of separate from everybody. Someone came over and did some healing energy work on me. My, my arms, I couldn't move them. I could not move my arms. People started making arrangements. They were in touch with my husband and getting me home. Like they were figuring out how to get me home. I flew out that day. Did I fly out that day? I flew out that day. I don't know how it all happened. I, I, I'm sitting here. I can see all the details and I can feel it all. And that day, all I can describe it is it felt like I was suspended in air not grounded into anything. And I had angels just all around me taking care of me. Thank God for that broken toe. (laughs) Because I had to literally let other people take care of me the entire time. And that's not something that I'm used to doing. I was so grateful for the healing power of essential oils at that moment in time, because they really, they helped keep me anchored and, and grounded and in tune and awake the tears, just the pain in my body was so heavy, but I was so light. We found laughter. There were moments where we just, (laughs) we laughed and there were moments where I felt like a superhero and Olivia and Jody Howard, the, the time that they spent with me will never be forgotten. And I don't even know if I can ever fully express to people what they did for me in that time. Because it's not as simple as they just took care of me. There was something deeper happening and it was, it was powerful. 
And I got home somehow. I flew home. That was the longest plane ride of my life. And I think I landed in Washington, D.C. around midnight. And I remember getting in the car. Well, the plane ride home, my earbuds were in and I just, I listened to music because my dad, my mom and my dad helped us learn how to live through music. Music is, I mean, I know it's powerful for everybody, but man, music for me is survival. Music is survival. Without it, I, I know how to love with music, laugh, cry, get angry with music. I work out with music, sleep. I used to sleep with music on. Gosh, music. It hits you in your bones, deep in your soul. And it can transport you, right? It transported me back to times with my dad, just driving in the car with the, with the windows down, wind blowing through my hair, John Denver, Jim Croce, on the radio, America is blaring, all they sang. I could just hear his voice singing the songs. And I was up in the sky flying. Uh, people were just, you know, human kindness is amazing. Sometimes it's sad that we have to have tragedy in our life for us to learn about that, though. Maybe that's something that we shouldn't forget about, is how to be kind to one another, even when someone's not sad and hurting. And remember how our actions hurt other people. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, spent some time on those hours just crying. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't rest. I cried. I cried and I listened to music. I couldn't remember things. Like, it was weird. I couldn't remember memories. I still am having a hard time remembering things. Although today in yoga class, I told a story about, and I don't remember this. I just know that this was something that people told me I did. I would tell my dad to relax, Rick, relax. And maybe that was a message that I was supposed to carry forward for myself too. It's just to relax, relax, man, let things go. So my family dynamics are complicated, but I don't think that anybody has normal family dynamics. So I don't really think I have to talk too much about that or give it too much attention because it's really not important. It's just true. My brothers and sister and I have such different opinions and feelings about time spent with my dad and my mom and growing up because we all see it through a different lens. We all have a different perspective and you can't take away from anybody else's truth or their story of what they experienced. The trauma that carried forward, the things that we did, how we are as human beings now. And the truth is, Having to go home was hard. The next day, my husband and I popped in the car and drove up to Syracuse, New York, and I left my daughter's home. That was hard. But that wasn't the right time for my daughters to make a trip up to upstate New York with us. It was better for them to stay home and do their things. I remember I was worried about Bella's, you know, it was her senior year, football games. I'm glad I did what I did because honestly, because honestly, uh, her senior year was cut short. Little did I know that I was making a right decision at that time. My oldest daughter came home from school to be with her. Family is so important to me. I'm sorry. Okay, here we go. Whew. There's nothing but raw and realness coming out for me. My dad would have been 75 today. It's too young. 
It's too young to not be here right now. And I remember thinking that the whole time. Had he only just listened, had he only desired change, had he only realized that he was the only one that could heal himself, had he understood his power, had he allowed himself to feel more joy and accept love. My dad did teach me how to love, and he gave me a lot of love. And for that, I'm grateful, and I was very fortunate. He didn't always show it to me really well, but he gave it to me. I watched my dad play out in front of me as I observed my brothers and sister that weekend, and even myself, because we all are parts of him, whether we like it or not, every one of us. He was big and loud, smart, controlling. He had magnetic personality and energy. You just wanted to be around him. But he held on to too many things for too long. I know he loved us all. I know he loved my mom. They weren't the greatest role models as parents, to be honest with you. I had to find that from someplace else. I had to teach myself how to do that. Burying my father on my birthday was a gift. And I love that that's how it happened. <laughs> I love that that's how it happened because that was almost his last gift to me. My mom died on my husband's birthday. I was like, that was her last gift to me. Some of these things still don't make sense. I don't know if I'm far enough away to look in the rearview mirror and see it all right now. But death is something that um, I was interestingly having this conversation the other day that you know people don't talk about. It's like it's shameful. And it's we are the ones experiencing death. My dad died peacefully. He did. I remember I walked in his room when we got there that Friday night. And unlike my mom's room, my mom's room was painful. She died. It was pain. She was not comfortable. I know I could tell I felt it. And when they described what it sounded like, I know she suffered at the end, even if it was in a moment. And even though she doesn't remember it, she did. My dad's room was quiet. He had it all set up. I laid in his bed. I laid on his pillow just so I could smell him one more time. And it reminded me of being a little. I used to love snuggling with my dad, sitting in his lap watching basketball or golf golf Ugh, who watches golf my dad watched golf I think I don't know do people still watch golf I think people still watch golf and then I came home back to my daughters back to my dogs and I still don't think I've completely found my feet I mean it's really only been nine months eight months nine months I don't even know how long anymore yeah eight, eight and a half. And I still can't remember everything. But if I've learned anything from my dad, and if, if I learned anything from the process of letting him go, it's that even if he didn't rise up to be the man that he could have been, he did everything on his terms. And there's something to be said about that. As we welcomed people that day, I listened to, he coached baseball. He was a coach, he was a teacher. 
I listened to people talk about how he was the person who helped them through some dark times and he believed in them when nobody else did. And he would spend hours just training and pushing people and helping people grow. He had that ability. Friends of his showed up and they loved my mom and dad. And they would just tell amazing stories about spending time together. They saw him in a way that I didn't, in a way I was unable to until now. Until then, to hear them talk about him that way. I don't know why he chose to be the way he was. I don't know why any of us choose to be the way we are. But something that I know is that I'm a better parent because of him. I'm a better friend because of him. I'm a strong woman because of him. I'm sometimes not the best wife because of him. (laughs) Sorry, babe. I know sometimes I'm a pain in the ass, but that's okay. So are you. My dad wasn't at my wedding. He wasn't there when I had my babies. But he'll be with me forever now. And I love him. And to anyone who got to know my dad in a different way than I did, you're lucky. Maybe share some more memories. And to my brothers and my sister, he loved you too. He loved us all the best he knew how in the best way he could with the tools that he had and the heart that he chose to have. Rick, happy birthday in heaven. I hope you're playing baseball and mom's sitting on the sidelines in her chair watching you. Until I see you again, I love you. Well, hey guys, thanks so much for joining us and listening and tuning in wherever you are listening to your podcast. Keep on listening, sharing, enjoying, and hey, follow us on social media. Instagram is msh underscore shift. You can also follow me, Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A underscore Hines, H-O-F-F. H-E-I-N-S. You can also find us on the book and join our makeshift tapping group. It's a public open group. We share goodies and information. Um, Visit my website, marshahoffines.com. Sign up for the newsletter and we'll just keep you full of all the goodies. All of them. All the time. Talk to you soon.